Well, we are we're continuing this morning um, in our series infallible, infallible proofs, infallible proofs. Um, we're looking at <clears throat> we're looking at what Jesus did after the resurrection that just gave proof that the resurrection was real. Um, we're in the book of John. We've been walking through Luke for a little while now, but we're in the book of John. We're going to look at something else Jesus did. John, the 20th chapter. I'm going to begin reading at the 24th verse. John, chapter 20, and I'll begin reading at the 24th verse. It says, now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his Disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put your hand, uh, put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not, be dis, uh, do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life. In his name, life in his name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word this time, Lord, uh, for it to be opened. We pray, Lord, for uh, receptive hearts, Lord, and we ask for fresh anointing to preach and anointing to receive your word, Father. Uh, we pray that you be glorified in this time. Move, Lord, by your spirit in this place, Lord, and uh, have your way. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you're my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We, live in a, we live in a skeptical society. Skeptical, it's a skeptical generation. You, you don't believe me? <laughs> Thought I'd get you there. <laughs> and and, and just, just for proof of our skepticism, we have the sayings to back it up in case you don't think we are skeptical. Uh, some, of them, some of the sayings are old, like, like the proof is in the pudding. I found out as I got older that the whole saying was the... Uh, 
the, uh, the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. I was like, yeah, have you heard that before? Yeah, yeah, that's how it really goes. You know, we shortened it, but the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. And it, that kind of made sense because you don't, you don't know the quality of a thing until you've tried, used, or experienced it. That's what that, that saying is trying to get across. Another one is, is the declaration that I'm from Missouri. Anybody from Missouri? Yeah, Missouri. When somebody says that I'm from Missouri after you've tried to explain something to them, and uh, it, it means that they don't believe you. And Missouri's nickname, nickname is the show me state. So I'm from Missouri. You, you have to show me because I, I don't believe um, what you're saying. One, what, there's another one that sounds a little more dignified and scholarly. After being told something that's hard for you to believe, it's the saying uh, that says, Seeing is believing, or I'll believe it when I see it, yeah. I actually dug into that. I looked it up, and I found out, like, they started saying that back in the 1600s. It's on record in the 1600s when that was, was used. But then after I did more research, I found out, no, it was used before that. It, it's, it's older than we think. Uh, it, it's worded differently where I found it, but... Uh, but right in the scripture, we find one of Jesus' disciples saying just about the same thing. Uh, I believe it when I see it. But Jesus steps in to correct and to teach his disciples that there is a blessing in believing without seeing. There's a blessing in believing without seeing. We're just going to talk about the blessing of believing. The blessing of believing. Uh, this book of John, it was written, written after the other gospel accounts. It came later. John presents many contrast or opposite choices for, for the readers in this book. There's darkness versus light, blindness versus sight, life versus death, and uh, of course, faith versus unbelief. <clears throat> He holds, he holds up clearly in his gospel, John, the, the deity of Jesus and what it means for someone to believe in him. After putting several of Jesus' miracles or his signs on display, John records some of his interactions with people following his death, his burial, and his resurrection. In, in this chapter, we find that the disciples have locked themselves in a house because they were afraid of what the Jewish leaders who, uh, who had killed Jesus might do next. While 10 of his disciples were there in the locked house, Jesus showed up in the room. Uh, he calms them down, telling them, peace be with you, and shows them his wounds from the cross. Imagine this excitement uh, to see him again that the disciples felt he showed up and he, he refilled their empty hope. But one missing disciple missed out on the joy. It says, now Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. 
we know a couple things about Thomas from the, from the scriptures. Um, Thomas had a nickname. His nickname was Twin. Uh, uh, Didymus is the Greek word for twin. His nickname was Twin. Any, any twins here? So I can talk about twins. Great. Uh, uh, you know, there's something different about twins. But uh, oh, the, the funny thing is that that was his nickname, but we never find out from the scriptures who Thomas's twin is or if he has a twin. Um, he may have just had a twin personality. We don't know. Uh, but when, uh, I think we'll, we might be able to discover it if we look a little deeper, though, uh, that Thomas does have some twins. Um, we find out in chapter 11, we find out that Thomas uh, was serious. He was a serious disciple and that he was ready to follow Jesus to death when Jesus was on a mission to raise Lazarus from the dead. Uh, Jesus was under a threat, don't go near Jerusalem at all. But Jesus said, I'm going to go there close to Jerusalem, to Bethany, to raise my friend. And, and Thomas said, listen, they, they're going to kill you if you go. Then he said, let's go die with them. I need people like Thomas around me. <laughs> let's go. Uh, uh, we also find out that Thomas was somebody that, that, that kept it real. He was transparent. When, when he didn't know something, he said he didn't know. Uh, when, he, when, when Jesus told the disciples in chapter 14 that he was going away and that they knew the way to where he was going, Thomas looked at Jesus and said to the Lord, uh, we, don't, we don't even know where you're going, so how could we possibly know the way? And then, you know, Jesus responded and said, I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, but, but this is the type of guy that Thomas was before we, uh, you know, uh, people like to run Thomas down in the scriptures because of this situation. <clears throat> but Thomas, I think he was a straight shooter. Uh, here we find out that Thomas had missed Jesus's appearance on that first resurrection Sunday. Thomas was the first person to skip church service on a Sunday. And look at what he missed. Tell that to... We'll, we'll move on. <laughs> uh, 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 some, somebody probably knew, too, knowing Thomas, somebody probably knew that it would be a problem trying to tell Thomas that they had actually seen Jesus. They had to let him know, though, well, what they had seen with their own eyes. It wasn't something that they could keep to themselves. They saw the Lord. The language... Uh, expresses that, that they, they not only told Thomas, but, but they kept trying to share and convince Thomas of what they saw. Uh, uh, you ever try to convince somebody of something that they don't believe? Uh, you, they, they kept saying, Thomas, Thomas, he showed, he showed us his hands and his side. It was him, Thomas. <clears throat> but Thomas... He wasn't, I don't think Thomas was trying to hear it. Uh, they, they proclaimed the gospel to him, but he wouldn't believe it. Look at how Thomas responds. He says, basically, I believe it when I see it. Uh, uh, seeing is believing. I need proof. <clears throat> I need to see the nail marks in his hands. I need to put my finger where the nails were. I need to place my hand 
in the wound in his side. Doesn't sound like Thomas can, can get satisfied easily. Uh, when, when you don't believe, it takes more and more to prove something to you. First, he says he wanted to see, uh, and that's fair because Jesus has shown the other disciples his, his marks when, when he saw them, uh, and they had joy when they saw. But, but Thomas needed more than just to see. He needed to put his finger in the mark of the nails. And, and, and then he needed to put his hand in the side of Jesus. The words that Thomas uses are, are, are forceful words. They, they describe like an, a, an aggressive poking and prodding at Jesus' wounds. And I, and I think this was Thomas's way of, of saying to them that I just don't believe you. Thomas starts sounding like uh, an investigator instead of a disciple. Uh, he wanted evidence that he could see and touch. This is how the world proves things. It has to be scientific. Uh, Thomas says if, if his demands aren't met, he will never believe. It's like a double negative. I will no, never, ever, never believe the way Thomas tells them. This is, this, this is the incident that earned Thomas his, his uh, well-known title, Doubting Thomas. I mean, it made it into the dictionary. Uh, it, it make, making him the prototype for all the skeptical people in the world, Doubting Thomas. But before we get too hard on, on Thomas, uh, here's a question. What extra stuff does Jesus have to do for what he's already done to be real to you in your life. What extra stuff does he, does he have to do for what he's already done to be real to you? I know we acknowledge that it's real, but then when life happens, just a question. Thomas was serious about following Jesus, but once Jesus was crucified, he struggled to figure out the faith thing. He didn't know uh, uh, he didn't have the, the privilege of having memorized Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Yeah. Look at, look at what happens here. Eight days later, though, verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. They were still meeting behind locked doors a week later, but Jesus came and stood with them. No locked door can keep Jesus from getting to those that he needs to get to. Jesus comes into the house uh, the same way that he did before. If you were here last week, we talked about this. Uh, he, he, he came past the locked doors. He, he repeats the same greeting of peace to the disciples. But Jesus isn't being redundant uh, in showing up like this this same way. Each time he appears, he demonstrates or adds something to the hearts of the disciples. This time, 
Thomas is with the rest of the disciples. He showed up on this Sunday. Good Thomas. I, I believe Jesus shows up again here like this to help Thomas. It, it, it does us well to remember that regardless of the failures, Jesus loves these disciples. And it's the same for us. Regardless of the failures, he loves us. He'll come for us. Peace be with you. Let your hearts and minds be settled with God. He had said this to the others when he came before, but now Jesus offers Thomas uh, this, the, the peace that he was missing. There is no peace in an unbelieving heart. Uh, then, then he offers Thomas the proof that he was demanding. He knew exactly what Thomas had said, even when he wasn't there to hear Thomas say it. When Thomas was doing all that tough talk, Jesus heard it. He tells Thomas to make his examination and, and see that it's him. He, he could not allow anyone who was going to be sent to testify about his resurrection to be wavering back and forth about whether or not it's true. So he gave him his proof. He gave him proof. He's calling Thomas to move forward. Thomas was, was stuck in his unbelieving and he, and he was starting to slip backwards. He was, he was becoming more unbelieving the longer he chose not to believe. Uh, the more he argued and denied what the disciples were telling him. You know, there's, there's no neutral with God. Either you're believing and growing and moving forward or you're actually in reverse, moving away with your heart getting harder and harder. Jesus sends the same message to us today that he did with Thomas back then. Be believing. Be believing. Look, Thomas answered him. Thomas's response. Thomas answered him. He said, my Lord and my God. Is Thomas seeing double? Who's he talking to? Uh, no, no, he's looking at one person when he speaks these words. I'm not sure if Thomas even had the chance to touch him. The Bible doesn't say. All of his demands for proof were, were, were filled when he saw the risen Christ. He, he didn't even uh, get a chance to get his doubts out. All Thomas had the strength to do was to call out and to testify what his eyes had just seen. Uh, he calls out, my Lord and my God. There, there's going to be many, I believe, one day who were demanding proof about Jesus when you try to share uh, the gospel with them. But, but when they actually meet the resurrected Lord, will not be able to say anything more than what Thomas is saying. Lord. Thomas not only saw Jesus, but his faith was made full, and he recognized Jesus not only as his Lord, but also as his God. Some, some folks try to say that Thomas was just shocked, and he uttered, and he was just saying something like a, a modern-day OMG, that, that, that you know, people tried to 
cover it as that, but, but that doesn't work with this time period and this context. These people didn't misuse and abuse God's name like people do today. They, Thomas uh, may have been accused of doubting, but he, he was never accused of uh, blaspheming or not telling the truth. Because of the resurrection and appearing of Christ to him, maybe for the first time, Thomas recognized Jesus for who he was. And he said, my Lord and my God. Depending on the context, uh, the word he uses for Lord is the Greek word kurios. Uh, it, it could range from a respectful way to address someone like saying, sir, all the way up to representing the name of the God of Israel. Representing the Adonai. Thomas takes away some of that guesswork, though, and what he meant as he connects Lord with the word God. He wasn't saying, my sir and my God. He said, my Lord and my God. He saw the resurrected Jesus as more than just a teacher to be followed and respected. He is Lord. Thomas identifies Jesus with a divine title, and the church would come along later and sing hymns like this in, in Philippians chapter 2, which, which points to Jesus' sacrificial death and resurrection and his ascension, saying that therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue uh, in heaven and on earth should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thomas's declaration is also a climax in this, in this Gospel of John because it confirms the message uh, from chapter 1 that John started out with, the message that proclaimed and identified Jesus as the Word made flesh. Uh, that, that was the word that was in the beginning with God, the word that was God. Thomas testifies, my Lord and my God. Notice also that Thomas isn't abstract about his recognition of Jesus. He not only states who Jesus was, but who Jesus was to him. You can't miss the personal pronouns. He, he, uh, he says, my my, he, it, it's a personal relationship. Can you remember when you realized who Jesus was to you? Can anybody remember that, that day when it, when it became really personal? It wasn't a Sunday school story anymore. You weren't renting your faith from grandma or somebody else, but you realized that you needed Jesus. Thomas was experiencing something. In, in the time when um, John would have written this, this gospel, Thomas's words would have reminded people that even while the, the government and the emperor was demanding to be called Lord and God, the, the Caesar, the emperor, wanted people to call him Lord and God. The people reading this scripture and hearing it would have been reminded that nobody but the resurrected Jesus deserved that title. Uh, uh, there, there's, we, uh, do we need to be reminded of that? I mean, we have uh, idols and, and uh, superstars and 
people who want to be called God, the resurrected Jesus we're looking at begs to differ. Thomas is believing now. But Jesus teaches him one more thing that he needs to know about believing, about faith. In 29, Jesus says, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. It's not so much a question. Jesus is kind of getting in Thomas's world a little bit. Notice, though, that Jesus, Jesus never corrects Thomas for calling him Lord and God. His only challenge to Thomas is how he arrived at this belief. Thomas, it's good that you have believed uh, now that your burden of proof has been met. But a better demonstration of faith belongs to those who believe without seeing. That's the Dwayne Davis translation version of the scripture. A better demonstration of faith belongs to those who believe without seeing. Blessed are those who take God at his word. Those who walk by faith and not by sight. Like, like us today. They, they, uh, the, there, will be, there will be many of the early readers of this gospel who never had the chance to see or handle the resurrected Jesus. Still, Jesus declares there is a blessing in this type of believing, we, we become able to claim the prayer of Jesus from John chapter 17. And we we are, are those who believe in him because of the disciples' testimony. So we fit in that prayer that he prayed. Uh, we, we are blessed like those who Peter would go on to say that they suffered trials, yet though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. 1 Peter 1 and 8. Blessings belong to those who have not seen and yet believed. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 affirms that faith comes by hearing the word concerning Jesus Christ and in, verses, uh, 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 in verse 9 of the chapter, it tells us that faith in the resurrection of Christ and confession that he is Lord has the consequence of salvation. John goes on here to point out the blessing of believing. The blessing of believing. In verse 30, he says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This isn't just some add-on statement by John. Tying, this, tying all the ends together, John leaves no room for confusion. He spells out the purpose of what he's written. Believing is the point, and believing brings blessings. Of all the miracles that Jesus performed, John was led by the Spirit to point out the ones in in this book. His purpose was that the reader or hearer would believe, develop a faith in Jesus, 
uh, the Messiah and, and Son of God, a faith that leads to life. And that, that life is the final blessing in the believing. Life, this life that the believer receives through faith is expressed both in quantity and quality. It is e- eternal. That means it stretches beyond time. It's, it's, it's never ending, uh, but it's also abundant. It's a full and overflowing life, a life that becomes increasingly more full of God's purpose and presence until it's complete with him in heaven. A life where, where we know him and are known by God as his own. This life that's only available in Jesus' name. I think the song said, what a wonderful name it is. What a powerful name it is. His, his name represents all of who he is and, and all he represents. Uh, Messiah, Lord, Son of God, God in flesh. He is the object of our faith. As the resurrected Lord, Jesus puts this life that he provides for us on display, revealing himself again and again and demonstrating the future for those who put faith in him. Jesus is walking and talking with the disciples, letting them know this is what your future could look like, a future that comes up out of the grave. The blessing of those who believe. Well, I mentioned earlier that that Thomas may have had a twin. And the text doesn't tell us. But um, I'm convinced that Thomas has some twins that are still living today. Still walking around. Not in here. You are are holy people. Uh, uh, but, but, But people... Somewhere else, the people that, 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 that are needing more proof than God has already given. Uh, Thomas's twin. Uh, how, how is this generation ever going to encounter Jesus? Uh, um, they, they miss Sundays. They, 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 the, the culture no, long, no longer values Sunday as the Lord's day. So how will they encounter Jesus, somebody says, well, we need to just run out and show them. Should we abandon also the Lord's day and, 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 and go chase them? Well, Hebrews says, no, we, we don't forsake the gathering of ourselves together as the manner of some is. No, no, we gather on this Lord's day just like the disciples did way back then. But the church is going to have to do something. The church will have to carry these Sunday resurrection interactions of Jesus into our weeks. And we're going to have to carry it into our world around us as we leave here on Sundays. It's it's the church's obligation now. We've heard and we've believed that Jesus is Lord and that he's resurrected. We must be living and speaking the things demonstrated by Jesus so that the world has a chance at hearing and believing. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you, Lord, that you've allowed your word to be open and you've allowed us to consider the things you've done, the amazing things that you've done. Um, our prayer is, Lord, that these words would not just be um, something to tickle our ears, Lord, but that these words would be fire in our bosom. That these words would ignite in us, Lord, the will to carry out your will, no matter what the cost. Help us to carry, Lord, uh, the truth and the power of this resurrected Christ into the world so that your name will be glorified. Help us to have good understanding, Lord. Take up anything, Lord, that I've uh, misspoken or not made clear, Lord, and bring it clarity by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're with us. Lord, I pray that if there's any that, that uh, do not know you, Lord, in the pardon and forgiveness of their sins, Lord, that they would not leave here without knowing you and that they would know you in Jesus' name. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.